Welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra with myself, Sinead Kyo. On today's show, we're going to be talking all things GAA, cycling, the Irish Open and lots, lots more. But first, Kilkenny are through to another All-Ireland final after trouncing the banner at the weekend. We heard from the Kilkenny senior hurling manager, Brian Cody. I suppose, I mean, the players have to implement whatever they, they have to do on the pitch. You make out the idea is what you want to do, but at the end of the day, the game takes on a life of its own and you have to adapt to whatever happens, but I thought the players just took on. I'm brilliant people, the whole thing with you, work rate and honesty and togetherness and team play and, of course, skill. You know, I think the first half performance obviously was, was as good as we could hope forever and second half possibly dipped a bit, I suppose, but that tends to happen when you have... Well, it looks like a comfortable lead, but it gets killed. Um, you know, you're kind of pl- playing out again. But again, we got some very, very good scores and did some very good hurling in the second half. Look, I would have nothing on the admiration for the players' performance today. So with nobody that was willing to really nail the colours for the Masters group in terms of a heavy prediction for either side, could you have ever dreamt that it would be that dominant? What was the key to that dominance? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, if we had come up here and win by a pint, we'd be saying, look, brilliant, you know. Um, playing top-class team in Clare showed the last two matches they played exactly how good they are. It shows it in different ways, obviously. The first day was just against them because they were standing in the second day. When their backs were to the wall, they performed and just pulled the game out of the fire. So we, we were well prepared for facing a top team. And they're going to be obviously very, very disappointed to, to have lost it like that. But look, um, I would never have expected to. We were coming up to work like dogs, I suppose, to win the game and knowing that we would have to do that. From your point of view, how important is it then to rotate the bench over the course of the second half to maintain that focus and maintain the message now that, that places are now up for grabs for a big day here in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, I think the lads know that anyway. Like, I mean, I'm not in this, I mean, I've said it many times, I'm not concerned about having a settled team. A lot of other people are, but I'm not, to be honest about it, because I think the, str- the importance of the panel is key to everything. It's key to ourselves, for sure. And, you know, that we're capable of making three, four changes on any given day and knowing that the team won't be weakened and, and very often can be strengthened. Well, I mean, I don't know, to be honest. I'm not concerned either whether we have or we haven't been underestimated because we just work away ourselves. I mean, I don't underestimate what we have and I have absolute, like I said many, many times, belief. I'm not saying that we're going to win or to win anything, but that we're going to go out and try and compete and, and be competitive. And that's, that's all you can ask for. Just a final one for me. All-Ireland final 17 comes to you now. What's the key to the next couple of weeks? Is there a master plan of preparation? I presume get tickets going to this week. Get all that out of the way. Smiling already, this is second nature to you. Huh. Look, I mean, there's no master plan. At the end of the day, the other and final is the biggest game. Of course, it's the biggest game. But you've got to get out and, and do all the things that you do in a first round or a second round as well. It's a game of hurling has to be played. And it's the biggest day. That night there's a huge crowd and there's build-up and all the rest of it. But you've got to go out and, and play with the level of everything that you have shown to try and get there. And that's what we'll be trying to do. Brian, you're a long time in the game. So firsts are a rarity, but it is a first All-Ireland final in July. Does that affect the preparation? Is there anything kind of unique about it in that sense? Sure, no, no, because I mean, we just knew the start of the year, the timetable, where it's going to be, and obviously, you know, it's in two weeks' time, so there's nothing massively can be done. We just work away and, and, and get ready, and obviously, take the best part of the week to recover from this game. So then, as regards, it's limited time for training, but that's, that's the way it's going to be for both teams. Have you liked the structure of this year? Uh, to be honest, I don't think about it at all because, I mean, there's a, there's a championship format put in front of you and, I mean, the position that we're in, we want to take part in the championship, so you've got to go with what's put in front of you. And I don't think about too much about whether it's 
I'd love something else. I'd, I'd just love to play in this championship, and we're there. And thanks be to God, now we're in the final. What was the most pleasing aspect of your team's performance today? Again, just the application, the honesty, the genuineness, the team play, the, the willingness of all the players to work for each other all the time, and also, I mean, to perform the great skill. Uh, any injuries or anything picked up or any updates in that sense? don't think so. I've just been there for a few minutes. We'll check with physios now and doctor when I go in, but I mean, I don't think we're too bad, no. Finally, you'll be back here tomorrow, no doubt, watching Limerick and Galway, and you'll be an even more interested spectator than you would be anyway, because you're a hurling person. Uh, for that game. How do you go about watching that as a manager? Are you looking out for specific things? What way does it, does it work knowing you're going to be playing one of the two in the next couple of weeks? No, we just look forward to going to the game to see how it goes. I mean, two great teams out there and it's, it's to have the privilege of saying that we're here and that we're going to meet the winners in the All-Ireland final. We're very, very happy with that. You try and get a selfie with Tiger Woods. Apparently he's here tomorrow. I must check that out. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. We also caught up with former Kilkenny goalkeeper and all-star Michael Walsh after Kilkenny's trashing of Clare on Saturday. Who's going to claim the top prize in the hurling world? Will it be Kilkenny? They had a storming game yesterday. Joining me now on the line is a man that was in Crow Park, Michael Walsh. Michael, what a performance it was yesterday. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, that first half was incredible altogether. Uh, after the first seven or eight minutes, it was tit for tat. But then Kilkenny just went on a roll, and you know, as good as hurling has played, any Kilkenny team has played for quite a long time. A long time. What is it that kind of led to the complete capitulation of Clare? Like, not many other players probably would have had a taste of Crow Park before. Is it the pitch dimensions that they just couldn't put up with, or was it just the performance on the day? It wasn't there. Well, probably well, a combination. Probably a combination. The, the very first thing was the John Conlon situation. I happened to be there very early, and uh, you know that was a bit of a circus. He was trying to do some sort of run on the pitch, but he wasn't entirely able to walk. And I think that they left that too late, and I think that would have a serious effect on on the players uh, involved as well because he's a huge player for Clare. And then after that, it was just basically uh, Kenny's performance. Then they Clare. Got off, got off to a bad enough start and that Kenny went 5-2 up at one stage and then after that it was just purely Kenny just blew him away and I think their heads dropped very early and they'll be very disappointed there but at the same time like there was no then and Kenny at that stage they were just brilliant in that first half Was there anybody in particular that stood out uh, for you like Mikey Butler's man-marking performance yeah. on Tony Kelly was something that was a sight to behold yeah, no, like, and it's all year. Like I just said yesterday, like I haven't had a chance to give him man of the match yesterday, but he certainly is the man of the year so far for Kilkenny, and, and he's done it every single game. He's taken out the top player on other teams, and it's not just in the championship; it's in the league. That's where I'm uh, as well. But look, it's, it's the return to form of Tizarita has been massive for me. Um, he was brilliant against Galway, but he actually went up another level again yesterday. And it's not just his ability to get scores now; it's his ability to bring other players into play there was two in the first half he actually lost position of the ball won it back and laid it off to Adrian Mullen once and Owen Cody the second time and he, yeah, and they both got scores and I just think that he's, he's him playing so well is huge but I think that in the four weeks that Kenny have been away whatever has gone on there has brought this to a new level and yesterday was completely different level that we've seen for Kenny for a long time because in fairness to be fair to Kenny haven't hit massive heights on the way up to yesterday they played very well against Dublin but in every other game it was very patchy but not yesterday and I, I hate seeing the people 
wasn't starting, they were definitely getting into hooks. The blocks, the work rate was incredible, and uh, you know, it's it's a huge performance in that. Like, it's not just. Uh, I don't think it's just a one-off. I think they're, they're they've gone to a different level at this stage. Yeah, Adrian Mullen as well. Now, maybe people might know that, but overtaking Tony Kelly is the st- top scorer from playing the championship as well. Twenty-five points overall, getting five yesterday. Just a tremendous performance from himself as well. Yeah, and you see, that that's the thing. Uh, you know, everyone talks about different players. Kenny players, you know, they certainly don't tend to get the limelight too often. And I suppose like Brian Cody likes it like that to keep them all grounded. But uh, he's phenomenal this year. He's really, really back to his best. And you know, he had a cruciate injury, and a, a, a physio told me once that it actually takes nearly two years to come back from it. You have the first year where you're recovering, then you're trying to get back to a level, and then the second year, please, if you don't get any recurrence or stuff like that, it is then that's the real time. And it, it definitely is. Uh, the case with him he's absolutely on fire this year and looking at the, the say all the guys that are on fire like you have Owen Cody and King Kenny they're both 21 Mikey Butler yeah. Adrian Mullen both 22 I think Mikey yeah. Carey Martin Keown are 23 I know TJ is in there but if you look at the average age of the squad that's 25 that's, that was the youngest out of all four teams that were playing in the semi-final there's a lot of hope here in Kilkenny I believe because of the youth that's within that side it, it's amazing the way it changes overnight because <laughs> I, I been, the one thing I would have been disappointed with yesterday and I have no problem saying this is that I felt the support wasn't brilliant and I felt there should have been a lot more. You'll have no problem. Yeah. I think you know there'll be a big scramble for tickets now for the final. But I did. I have to be honest about this. Uh, I felt the support yesterday. Those that were there were great, but those that you know, I think a lot more should have been there. And I know there's other attractions, and I know it's there, and I know all this. But uh, you know, like you've just said it there. Like that's why I'm saying about overnight now. Uh, suddenly, this this is all coming. But this has been building uh, for a while. I was actually talking to a Dublin selector this morning, and he wasn't a bit surprised by what happened. He felt that you know Kenny were coming strong the whole time. And I think I think that four weeks was absolutely massive in 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 every way. I think whatever they've done, they've gone away. They've worked really hard. And look at they're making changes in every game. And look, but I would have been the one saying Jesus, it you know, should have been a settled team or whatever. But it's it's very uh, important, like uh, from a Kenny point of view, they have they have so many players at the same level that they can make those three or four changes, and it will not it will not affect the team at all. Whereas with other counties, maybe Barry that doesn't happen. Yeah, we were having a, a chat there yesterday about the kind of unsettled nature of, of the team yeah. and how it might work in the benefit of uh, Kilkenny because you can't really prepare. You don't know what they're putting out uh, like every different game. Um, you, just going back to the supporters' point of view, I think was there 40,000 possibly quoted for it, but uh, you know, it's a massive stadium in itself. Was it from both sets of fans? Like, did Kilkenny not just not travel themselves, or was Clare just as culpable? I don't know. I, well, I, you know, it was, it was quite obvious for, to anyone that was there. Like, it was uh, definitely an eight to one out numbers, and that's been conservative. I couldn't believe it walking up to the ground. It was uh, the amount of Clare people that were there, and uh, you know, look, as I said, there's loads of different reasons for it. And in fairness. I suppose the biggest one is the cost of, of travel, uh, the cost of living, and uh, you know it, is, it was a very, very dear day, and uh, not easy for people. But at the same time, I think you know uh, you need to, to support, and uh, you know there was there was a smallish crowd area. So, however, they they really made themselves heard, and, and uh, that's the important thing. Uh, looking at today then as well, I know you might be keen to get back to watching the, the, the minor game, but when we talk about the semi-final, Limerick and Galway, what way do you see that going? Yeah, um, it, I, uh, I tell you, after yesterday, I'd be afraid to say that. Look, I think Limerick will win it, but um, 
I expect Galway to come with everything now. They're at the same thing today now, this injury of our old McInerney, is he playing or is he not playing? And I just think a lesson is learned yesterday. Like, if these fellas are not ready, you need to rule them out earlier because it was a huge circle around John Connell in that pitch yesterday and I just felt it definitely it definitely had an effect on the on the player, uh, players. But uh, I think Galway will come with everything and uh, it'll be interesting to see how recovered Limerick are. Before yesterday's match, I was actually, you know, player did empty themselves in Munster was it at the end of it but then you know they come up against Kenny then and, and like you know what a, an animal to come up against if you like with the way Kenny it just absolutely all over them from the work go so I do expect Galway to come in a huge fight I just think that Limerick will have too much and looking at the minor game there Offaly are up I think by was it I, I, I don't have the score 115 to 12 points yeah, yeah. Wow, how big would that be for Offaly? 14, man. It's, it's huge. It's gone. There's four points in the down. Just looking at here as, as I'm talking to you. But uh, <laughs> it'll be a massive day for Offaly. Um, I don't think they were favourites going into it. And uh, it's, they're four points up and they're playing against 14 men. There's two minutes left in normal time. And it'll be a huge achievement for them. Well, when we were coming from KCLR, you've seen all the fans kind of going up to UPMC, Nolan Park. Just, just before yeah. we let you go, uh, Michael, just Michael Dignan, what kind of job is he doing with Offaly? Well, obviously, this is huge for them. Um, you know, under-20 football last year, actually talking to him yesterday, and he just said, look, it's the start of... They have a huge uh, time ahead of me, said, as regards trying to get back to somewhere near where they want to be. And he said, this is just a start, and it's just a boost it will give them. And it has given them whatever way the result goes. They've had a massive year. When you're playing a minor final in front of twenty four or 5,000 people in all the park, that's phenomenal. And it doesn't seem to affect them anyway. They're playing they're a really good team. So, the great work going on up there. And, uh, you know, that's look, that's what the GA needs, as I said, twenty four or 5,000 at a minor hurling final. It's, it's incredible. And Michael, just before we let you go, before the match started yesterday, you were asked to pick a winner, Kilkenny or Clare, yep. and you said you went with Kilkenny. You said it, you yep. were 50-50 on it, and then you went with Kilkenny. So I'm going to ask yep. you, if you're a bit of a mystic Mac over here, will Kilkenny <laughs> win in All-Ireland? Well, they have every chance, absolutely every chance. I think no matter who wins today, like I would have said to you a few months ago, uh, when you asked me in the previous programme, that I wouldn't have seen anyone but Limerick, but... That certainly is not as clear-cut as it was at that stage, and I think that, you know, Kilkenny will get huge confidence from yesterday, and I think they'll be very, very dangerous in the final, and yes, they have a great chance. So not to, we'll wait and see what happens today first, and then we'll see. Michael, absolute pleasure to speak to you, as always. Looking forward to getting you back in the commentary booth for the All-Ireland Fall. Thanks very much for taking the call. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. That's Michael Walsh. We also heard from former Kilkenny hurler Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy, that was an awesome performance from Kilkenny. Yeah, brilliant performance all round. Again, I suppose the narrative during the week now will be that Clare were flat and they didn't turn up, but Kilkenny went about their business and, you know, all over the pitch by the end of the first half, both midfielders and all six forwards had scored from play, which just shows Kilkenny's intent. So, savage performance. Um, a lot of people didn't tip him coming into this game, but look, at that's the kind of thing that Kilkenny do in, in semi-finals and we're into an All-Ireland final now. It's just a brilliant performance. The work ethic, Paul, without the ball and the team you were on, you always worked well. Brian still the boss. They did that today as well. 
Yeah, all over the pitch and in the first half particularly they just stifled Clare. Balls were landing into that back line. Kilkenny were breaking them down. Clare might get onto a ball and you know a Kilkenny hurl a win, flick it away and suddenly a defender was coming out and they were just there was a players off the shoulder the whole time. They were popping the ball and looking for that really intelligent ball up the pitch and they were mixing it up then. They were delivering long balls when they needed to as well. So look, they were keeping Clare honest by mixing it up, going short and going long. But um, look, they had everything about that today. The work rate, the tempo, the way they were playing. You know, they were very economical there. I think it was nine wide by the end of the game Clare was 24 so look that, that speaks for itself just where Kilkenny's heads were at today and you expect nothing less from Brian Cody in all in semi-final Back in the final for Kilkenny it's uh, in fairness you know lost players like yourself ground a new team together back in the final deserves credit Absolutely you know you're always trying to replace one or two players you know one or two go go and retire or they leave the panel and uh, you know you're trying to bring in one or two but you look at the performances there I mean even the full back line Mikey Butler there holding Tony Kelly scores from play absolutely immense Huey Lawler in the first half came out with an enormous catch but we were just clearing all balls in front of him there as well Keen Kenny again great performance there today chipped in with 1-2 just you know the younger lads who are coming in are settling in really well and they have that mix of experience there again no more than TJ and even the likes of Paddy Deegan who's kind of starting to become one of the more mature lads on the team but you know they have that nice mix coming off the bench there Walter Welsh Parik Welsh starting there so it's a great balance of youth and experience there and that's ideal place for Kilkenny to be Nothing won yet Paul so 70 minutes to go Exactly yeah but Kilkenny were focused on this game and um, like we were saying you know not a lot of people tipped them past this but they tuned into this game they focused they got their matchups right and again it's 70 minutes of hurling the All-Ireland will be 70 minutes of hurling we'll wait and see obviously we're, we're talking now Saturday evening the matches the dust doesn't settle on the game so we have to wait and see do we have Limerick or Galway but you know whoever we play Kilkenny will look at them they'll look for the matchups they'll look to see where they can get that bit of space where they can get the goals get the points and then again stifle whichever team they meet in, in their own forward so look it's 70 minutes of hurling coming All-Ireland final and Kilkenny great preparation so far People will say you said they're Clare flat performance they'll talk about 24 wides which is a lot of wides but even though the 24 wides Kilkenny really were by far the better team today would that be fair? Yeah absolutely and you look just look where, where Clare had to shoot from it wasn't necessarily that they were hitting wides from in front of goal you know Kilkenny were just crowding them out in and around the D in and around the good shooting areas and making them shoot from distance making them shoot from the sideline from these angles shooting on the run shooting over your shoulder and different things like that so yeah look Clare made some bad decisions but I think Kilkenny more forced Clare to make those decisions and strike the balls wide and again you know I, I suppose a small bit of cuteness there from Clare when, when they were hitting a few wides you know if they were a small bit more clever just get a score on the board and maybe settle the nerves because those ones are great when you're full of confidence and they're going over but you know it only kills a team's confidence when you keep shooting like that and they keep going wide it just kills the momentum so look I would say as much as Clare hit a good few wides there it was more that Kilkenny were pressing Clare to shoot from distance and shoot from crazy angles Okay, Might be a bad summer weather wise Paul but it's a good summer to be a Kilkenny hurling man ex-player former player whatever like but as a Kilkenny supporter now I'm working with the media we can look forward to a few great weeks Oh we can of course and this is you know we, we, we love this the excitement of getting to look forward to an All-Ireland final whether it's in July or whether it's in September to be in the All-Ireland final is absolutely immense start of the year I don't think a lot of people gave this team a chance to get into a final I think even over the last week a lot of people wouldn't have given this team a chance to get into a final but we're there now it's 70 minutes hurling left it's been a long road to get to there but this is what Kilkenny people love this is what you know we love the build up we love the anticipation you know there'll be people on the road on the way down looking for tickets already so it's absolutely brilliant and it's, it's what we want it's the hotels I'm worried about ah uh, yeah Book City West <laughs> thanks Paul sound thanks a million thanks <laughs> 
The Kilkenny senior camogie team had a draw with Galway at the weekend. We heard from their manager, Brian Dowling, and we also caught up with player Claire Phelan. Brian Dowling, not a disaster. What a fantastic second half he put in. Uh, draw not good enough to get us through straight to the semi-final, but the girls put in an epic battle here in Athenry today. Yeah, look, I suppose it's the second time this year and it's scoring average has come against us in the league. We're knocked out of the league from scoring average. So look, but thankfully today we're not knocked out of the championship. And look, if we can keep hurling like that and play like that, you know, we'll have some say in this championship. So look, a massive test now coming up against Dublin, but uh, in the quarterfinal, look, we wanted to get straight through. Galway wanted to get straight through, unfortunately we couldn't be separated today and we have to play a quarter final but look we'll get on with it and uh, looking forward to that now the first half was a bit of a nip and tuck he got the goal early 1-3 to 2 points ahead they go down get a goal almost straight away and a bit of a purple patch then as well 19 minutes without a score that you were waiting for but he got the last two scores going in so that was a, a bit of a boost for yourselves yeah like I think in fairness the, the wind was, was really really strong there you know and I was delighted with the start you know I said to the girls at half time we heard really well for 10 minutes went over and heard well for 5 minutes and scores for half time were, very, were crucial, you know, we didn't score for a while as he said but um, look, Galway struggled to score there in the second half for a while as well, I think we got on top of him um, got two points ahead, you know, we turned around I think it was six points six points down, turned around to two ahead and look, obviously it's a pity we didn't get the, the victory, you know, but um, I've been saying it a long time, you know, these girls have just some character and, uh, you know, I suppose there's people writing them off and they're saying they're not good enough or we haven't, you know, that you know there's other girls that are gone from the panel but I keep saying to them, look, they're gone and it's a disappointment but, you know, to have these girls coming in, you know, like I said, the Tiffy coming off the pitch like you know that, that game there just dance likes of her and Steffi playing her first proper game in the backs and things like that like you know and it's it's you know but in fairness the experienced girls Claire Field and Marion Wilson East Gall you know just standing up tall there when it was really counted and um, look we can just be so proud of them now and just we just have to get on with it and get looking forward to a quarter final The character of these girls is tremendous and never been taken into question or anything with them to put in a performance and Kenny Park here and Nathan Roy seems to be a, a bit of a lucky ground you've never lost here and I know it might uh, a draw it's not a win in the whole lot but it'll give you great confidence going into the quarterfinal now against Dublin Yeah look I said to the girls in there we're still unbeaten this year you know um, you know, we didn't get, we didn't lose in the league we haven't lost in championship yet so but look there's no point putting in performance like that and then going you know not doing it in the quarterfinal just, we have to get our heads right for that now in the next couple of days so um, look I didn't know we didn't, Kenny weren't beaten up here before I knew I was here in 2019 and we had a, a point or two victory so look again we come up to win unfortunately we didn't but um, you know I'd just be very proud of our performance and the character that they showed you know I think Galway broke through there a few times second half and just uh, the tackling tackles that the girls put in was unbelievable like and you know all year in fairness to them the, this is a special group you know there's a really special bond in there and look whatever happens the rest of the year these girls will go down and fighting and will, will go to the last second of every single match that's for sure they certainly will they always fight with their boots on I mean the defence was superb but we have to talk about the forwards as well and especially you said you went two points ahead that second goal that she got what vision from Denise Gall I mean we know what we can she can do with frees and penalties but to spot Miriam in the corner of her Miriam just blasted the ball into the net it was a goal of beauty yeah I actually missed it to be honest I was uh, looking around I was waiting for Denise to tap over the bar and I was getting a bottle of water so when I looked back I see Miriam had the ball in her hand I said how the hell did she have that ball but look that's Denise we're encouraging that all the time you know if something's on that, you know trust yourself to do it it's not waiting for us to tell it and look Denise has the experience has the class uh, to do that you know how many players will stand and you know it might be something you do in a training session but to do that in a pressure game you know it's absolutely ruined I literally said to Philly Larkin there in the sideline beside me we need a goal if we want to win this game and straight away Miriam popped up you know and a great 
finish, you know, and again, great finish at the start. And I suppose Merriam is having a great year for us, thank God. And, you know, we just need to get more ball into her probably at times. But uh, look, great vision from Denise. And, you know, you have to be brave in, in matches like this to, to try and get the victories. You have a couple of weeks break now to the quarterfinals in Semple Stadium on the 16th of July. Injury updates, how are we on the remaining players coming back? Are they going to be ready in time? Uh, yeah, no one, as far as you know, no one picked up any injuries today, thank God. So, New Daly should be back for the quarterfinal. Look, and that's it. Obviously, Aoife and Kellyanne won't be featuring for the year. So, um, we'll have Neve back for the next day. And, um, you know, again, we need, need everybody available as much as possible. I know you're waiting to get to see the hurling match like us all. One last question, though. It is Dublin now in the quarterfinals. We know what happened in the Leinster Championship when we met him above in Port Leash in the Leinster final. It's going to be a different kettle of fish the next day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Look, I think, in fairness, we got a couple of goals that day, and the scoreline probably flattered us. You know, we're not, we, we, we know that ourselves. And look, anyone, Dublin obviously did well to get out of their group, to get into the quarterfinal, a very tough group, you know, and they're obviously a good team. We know they're a good team. Um, so, look, we just have to get ourselves ready and uh, be ready for a battle uh, in, in two weeks' time. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks as always, Brian. Best luck in the quarterfinal. Thanks, Martin. Clear feeling, probably not the results that you wanted, but still, nevertheless, it's not a defeat, a draw after a very tough game here to Galway in Athenroy. Give us your overall thoughts on the game. Um, yeah, disappointing, obviously, that we're not through to a semi-final, but I think our performance said it all there. Um, everyone worked as hard as they possibly could, um, and it was a great game to watch, I presume, very close there at the end. But unfortunately, just the way the table works out in that, we're not going to semi-final, but look, we'll regroup. That small, out. Yeah, that small little bit of a lull there in the first half. Did you give them a small bit too much of a lead at half-time, 19 minutes without a score in the first half? Now, there was a fair breeze here, to be fair. Was it tough playing against us? Yeah, there was a very strong breeze but your look um, that happens at times I suppose you're, you're always going to get a purple patch um, but we worked through it and we start the second half well we thought ourselves back into it which was the main thing and we were right in there at the end we can see what Denise goal does whether it's penalties or whatever but her quick thinking between herself and Miriam to get the second goal a thing of beauty she just obviously caught her at the side of her eye quick free to Miriam and Miriam dispatches a goal of quality yeah in fairness to the both of them um, they were both just tuned in more than anyone else on the pitch and Miriam did brilliant to finish it right bottom corner it was an absolutely brilliant finish so that gave us the spur I think we needed in the second half to drive it on then as we said not a loss and they probably pipped you against one of the best teams in the country at the minute to show where you are this year there's not many or much between the two teams either like when you're drawing games like that you'll go through into the quarterfinal now whoever it is and take great confidence after the draw today Oh, definitely look we know how good we are anyway we're working away there ourselves all the girls everyone's buying into it and training has been top class so we're working away no matter what people are saying and I think we proved there we're right up there still so we're just going to keep going the way we are you certainly are going the right way alright right go on go get changed enjoy the hurling game we'll talk to you soon Shirley Trimble also stopped by to talk all things Wimbledon But now I'm delighted to be talking to Shirley Trimble from Kilkenny Lawn and Tennis Club. Shirley, I say you're absolutely in your element enjoying Wimbledon. Oh, Shane, middle week. What can I say? We're now going, getting down to the business end of the tennis. It's great to be middle Sunday watching Heather Watson, the hometown favourite now in the second set. Just she looks as if actually Heather Watson, who is the, the, the Brit favourite, is about to uh, exit the tournament. She's currently 5-4 down in the second set to an unseeded Niemer, a German player. 
and it's 30-15 actually 30 all in the final I'd say what might be the final game there but the, the tournament itself has thrown up all sorts of surprises certainly in the, on the ladies side it's been there's been a feast of tennis last week and hopefully it bodes well for going into week two now as we step into it tomorrow into final Monday too yeah, surely there has been the good and the bad and the ugly in terms of yeah. some of the stories coming from Wimbledon. But one of the best stories, we'll start with the good because you mentioned the German, but Tatjana Maria, after returning from maternity leave, what, less than a year ago, reaches her first ever Grand Slam quarterfinal. Yeah, amazing for her to come to come and, and knock out the uh, Ostapenko, the, the Latvian today. So that is just super. You know, that wasn't, I definitely, that wasn't in my prediction. I definitely said that I had Ostapenko in a semi-final against Anjabur. They would have been my prediction for one half of the ladies' semi-final. Anjabur, the, la- the Tunisian lady, uh, uh, seated number three in Wimbledon. I definitely saw her coming up against the number 12. Latvian in a semi-final but amazing if that's just sport amazing to see um, the surprises of some of the more mature ladies coming back which is which is great to see also saw, saw Iga Spiontek the uh, first seed beaten yesterday as well by a French 32 year old lady Elise Cornet the French lady she blocked out the world's number one who's been on an un, you know a match winning streak the Polish lady Iga Swiatek has won something like 36 matches in a row but obvious to see yesterday watching that match that the grass just didn't suit her she much prefers court or the clay court um, having come on the back of her of, 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 of the French Open success but to be beaten by a 30 year old French lady yesterday another surprise and she was unseeded as well so as I say lovely to see the more mature ladies coming in and knocking some people off their pedestal while we're talking about legends I have to mention Serena Williams coming back to Wimbledon again she's always a crowd pleaser people love her again she was beaten as well by a French lady called Harmony Tan and she beat her in the first round Serena's a great champion but um, Harmony Tan really paired her back um, Serena had some moments of brilliance definitely but she gave her Harmony Tan gave Serena no speed or no rhythm all she seems to be able to pair back all her opponents and she's progressing nicely as well she beat Katie Bolter another she was a wild card English enter, uh, entry and uh, you know again, again another crowd pleaser at home Katie Bolter but she was knocked out by Harmony, Harmony Tan and she progresses now again um, nicely the, the French lady uh, unseated progressing into the last 16 great great no Ash Barty the, you know who was the defending champion from last year for the previous year there was no Wimbledon in the previous year 2019 Simona Halep who was always a favourite she's ranked number 16 this year and again she would be one of my uh, people that I would bank on being in the semi-final I can see her coming up against the Harmony Tan in one of the semi-finals and then on Jabour, I had to put up against Ostapenko, but now it would probably be on Jabour against Marie, who beat Ostapenko um, in that surprise exit today from Ostapenko, who is who, who's playing great tennis at the moment, but obviously wasn't ready for it today. Shirley, we've been keeping an eye on a lot of sports here. Uh, we yeah, have the I'm golf sure. going on. Obviously, we have the GEA yeah. going on. And we try to keep an eye on some of the antics that is happening at Wimbledon. We caught some of yeah. it there, but... 
the story coming out of it that's really after catching his eye is Kiriros and the, the, the words that came from his opponent Stefanos Tsitsipas and I'll, I'll just put him out there to you now he goes it's constant bullying that's what he does he bullies the opponents he was probably a bully at school himself I don't like bullies I don't like people that put other people down he has some good traits in his character as well but he also has a very evil side to him I can catch a lot of antics there, but because of what we're doing out here, from your perspective, is it just the mind games that he's playing, or do you think that, oh. indeed, it is a bullying aspect of it? Oh, I think it's a bit of both, probably. Nick Kyrgios, I think I might have spoken to you before about him. He's not a, He doesn't suit the traditional tennis fan, Nick Kyrgios. You know, he's, he's an Australian and brash, uh, non-traditional player, I suppose. He's unpredictable. And he's ranked at world number 40, the Australian. He played to get out. So bits of the match against Stefano Tsitsipas yesterday, who's ranked number four, the Greek player. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of it actually yesterday. But he is, he does, he does the unpredictable. He is, I would, I don't know if bully is too strong a word. I didn't actually read those, that quote that you just read out there. But, um, I, I think it's, it's interesting because tennis is normally so, so composed and I don't know if polite is the right words but definitely to be a lot of respect for your opponent and that was paired away that was definitely brought to brass tacks yesterday where there was elements of the the sport that I suppose the traditionals wouldn't approve of but I have to say I really like watching Nick Curious as a player I think because he's so surprising he does his underarm serves he's a crowd pleaser he plays a lot of basketball as well so he you know he, he he's used to playing to the crowd which doesn't suit everybody uh, certainly in SW19 and Wimbledon definitely doesn't but it'll be really interesting to see how Nick Curious does if he's as good as his game as he says his game is he's in the same side as Nadal so I would predict that Nadal will meet him in a semi-final if Nikurius, um wins in the next round. And I mean, there's definitely no way that Rafael Nadal will be bullied, that legend of a tennis player. You know, he's had a relatively easy run um, so far. He's chasing his 23rd Grand Slam. He'll get it, you know, if he wins this next match, he'll probably beat uh, he'll probably meet Tamir in the next round or Kyrgios um, and as I say he'll have a relative probably if, if he beats um, Kyrgios he'll have a relatively easy route into the final and who can say the final without mentioning Djokovic who's the defending champion in Wimbledon his last defeat in Wimbledon was 2017 um, he's playing this afternoon against a Dutch guy ranked 140th Tim van Richhoven I think is his name and he'll be on the other side so I would predict Definitely that you'll be seeing a Djokovic-Nadal final as long as Kyrgios, as you were mentioning earlier on, doesn't throw up any surprises against Nadal. But I, I reckon Nadal will be way too strong for Kyrgios. Uh, Kyrgios uh, having a bit of kind of a, a comparison to one old uh, tennis legend in John McEnroe. But speaking of John McEnroe, he's um, after leading kind of like a, an emotional tribute to Sue Barker, who kind of broke down in tears because her long-standing commitment to Wimbledon is uh, she's retiring. And she was the face of BBC's coverage for over 30 years. Like that's just a huge, huge kind of change in the landscape of Wimbledon tennis. Yeah, they had a big celebration at lunchtime today. I was watching a bit of it earlier on where they're celebrating 100 years of Santa Court. So with all the pomp and ceremony that goes with the, the, the Wimbledon um, uh, celebrations that happened there, both John McEnroe and Sue Barker were introducing all of the previous 
champions of Wimbledon and welcome to the Montecentre Court. So that was amazing to have all the tennis legends of the past, you know, who were still alive, who were available to come uh, to that celebration day. But Sue Barker, definitely from a female perspective, has been, you know, given great service to tennis. And who can forget her, you know, presenting a question of sport on on the BBC over the years as well. She's been great for ladies sport and definitely for tennis in general. She, she I, I will miss her. Uh, as uh, you know, next year uh, as one of the anchor, you know, anchor women in in sports um, in Wimbledon. But uh, yeah, a great tribute by John McEnroe, another great legend. But I'd never call John McEnroe a bully. I don't think I could put him and Nick Kyrgios in the same sentence and compare them to compare them together. <laughs> uh, Shirley, it's been great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Just before we let you go, how's everything going down in Kilkenny courts? Oh, in the Kilkenny club, yeah, busy. Summertime, the club championships are just finished they finished the week before last which was great the junior open week is is the next event on our calendar and that runs from the 9th to the 16th of July kindly sponsored by Poe Kylie Hogan Lanigan that's the junior tour competition and there's various other tournaments going on during the summer there's a, a, a doubles uh, tournament that runs between July and August and also there's teen tennis ongoing as well so plenty happening in Archer's Field over the summer months too Thanks very much, Shirley. No doubt we'll be chatting again very, very soon. Enjoy the rest of Wimbledon. Thanks, Shane. Enjoy the golf. Bye-bye. I had a chat with cyclist Con Scully, who recently became the junior national champion. Listen, yeah. Con. Congratulations on, on being crowned the Irish Junior Men's TT Champion. And um, this is the first time I think I believe for for the club um, to have achieved that at this grade. So uh, an amazing feat, and you must be very proud of yourself. And I'm sure your family and your club are immensely proud of you as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was, um, it, was a, it was a big kind of moment for me to win it still as a member of Carrow Cycling Club. Uh, the club have given me a lot over the years and it was just great to win that national title still as a member of Carlo. Yeah, and is this your first national title then, Con? Yeah, I would say this is my first proper one anyway. The kind of from the under eighteen level up, I think that's when that's in the national I won one as an under fourteen but uh as, as an under 18 this is my first proper one I would say and is this one then Con that you've been kind of aiming for for a long time like would you say now since you were like since you were a child like have you been having your eyes on this particular race and, and having aspirations to win it yeah no most definitely I think from when I started when I was 11 or 12 it was, it was the under 18 really kind of looked up to especially the national champions riding in the national champions jersey and stuff like that and this, this win to be honest with it's kind of been two years in the making uh, last year as a, as a first year junior I bought a TT bike straight away in the winter and just got to work on it and um, fortunately picked up a bit of sickness before the national camp last year after Worlds so I missed out on my chance to race for it last year so this year I was I was really up for it it was definitely the biggest goal I've had I would say in Thailand Come here talk us through the, the race itself then did everything kind of go to plan for you from start to finish? Uh, yeah no I had a had pretty much a perfect day the, had a nutrition plan and that all went well my stomach felt good I had a good warm up um, in the warm up his uh, legs felt the best I've ever really felt on a TT bike so I kind of started with a very positive mindset because I, I knew my legs were where they needed to be 
um, and kind of took off. I had it had a good out leg, so it was it was basically a straight out and back course along a main road and mm-hmm. um, from at to Bird Hill. Um, at the end, like so, it was straight out to a roundabout and back. And I, I was I, on the out leg. I was like, no, I'm going good here. And um, but when I turned around, I was the first off, and each rider's off at a minute interval. So you kind of know where you are when you turn around. Right. And you can kind of see the lads coming. I, I thought my gap would be a tiny bit bigger to the lad behind me. So I, got, I probably panicked a tiny bit there, but I just kind of got the head down and just uh, it just went for it from there and had a really, really good leg on the way back. Um, I think I think I was, I think I, I opened up the gap by about another 30 seconds on the way back. So, no, um, to be honest with you, the plan went well. It basically stuck to the pace and plan, so it went well. Yeah, brilliant, because I know the last time we were speaking, um, you were telling me you were racing um, abroad and uh, the particular race, there was a lot of collisions along the way, there was a lot of uh, crashes and obstacles and you had to get up on the bike a couple of times and, do you know, um, it just, yeah, there was a lot of adversity there throughout that race and I know that can often happen in cycling, but um, in this particular race, it just seemed to have been um, pretty much smooth sailing. Yeah, no, every, everything everything went well. Like, the bike was perfect, you know, the legs were perfect. So it was kind of kind of rare you have those days where everything goes right, but that was definitely one of those days. Um, and I think I think all the planning all the planning led to that. So leading up to this race, then who did you kind of have your eye on in terms of your who you would have seen as your greatest competition? Um, I suppose uh, there's one particular rider from Tyrone, Adam Rafferty. He'd been putting up some good times up in the north in TTs. And in the first round of the National TT Series, he was the closest rider to me. And I actually, actually raced with his brother last year. And so I was kind of talking to him. So I knew Adam was in a good place and I really was targeting that event. So I knew he'd kind of be number one competition. But yeah. then... Um, I suppose but I, I kind of expected and then another rider here to actually end up second I kind of expected him to come but I didn't expect him to have the ride that he did but uh, he pulled out he actually got a lot closer than me than I expected Talk us through I suppose the training routine leading up to the race as well Con uh, So I just I, I, the thing was I just finished my leaving cert uh, the, week, the week before so I was trying to just maintain my training through the leaving cert so where I could I was going out on the bike but um, I actually probably didn't do the training I was expecting to do just because the exam took yeah. that, that little bit more energy out of me than I expected but we just I just talked to my coach daily and we just kind of figured out the training load from there and uh, I think we got pretty much right so yeah, so I'd say you're glad now to have those exams out of the way, are you, Con? Because I, I, I know that that must have been usually difficult for you to balance, you know, the leaving cert um, and cycling uh, and then just kind of being a teenager then as well. So I'd say it's it's nice now to just kind of um, be looking at the, the leaving cert in the, in the rear view mirror, if you like. No, definitely. It was kind of, a, that was one thing I just couldn't wait to get behind me because now I have the whole summer kind of in front of me to go to go travel and go race abroad and stuff like that it's just kind of uh, it's just kind of free time to me now do you know what I mean I can just ride my bike full time and really get down to the training and the racing the way I wanted to yeah the last time that we spoke as well uh, Con I know that you were saying that like your ultimate dream really would be to go professional and you were hoping that you would be able to uh, secure a professional contract by the end of the year how close are you do you think to that now um, I hope I hope myself by winning the national TT champs 
it's kind of it's seldom that 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 rider wouldn't wouldn't receive a contract from anywhere. So hopefully that's put me on the path now. And also with the European Championships in the coming week, if I can do the ride that I that I that I expected myself there, I think I'm I think I'm on on the way anyway. That's uh, brilliant. So definitely definitely a good start anyway yeah that's amazing and I know you me- you mentioned there the, the Europeans that are coming up in a couple of, a couple of weeks where you're going to be representing Ireland and, and that just must be such an honour for you Con, to throw on the, the Irish jersey oh no definitely um, it was always kind of my biggest goal coming into the junior ranks to try and get to a championship um, this will be my second time after racing them last year but definitely a lot more prepared this time coming in I, I know how, how the system works I know the staff and we receive great support from that programme so I know, I, know how to, I know how to avail of the support and stuff like that but no, obviously, that, that they're my they're my favourite weeks. To be honest, as you went to make that Irish camp, it just feels special. To be honest, yeah, and and you've seemed to have. I know you're only 19, but you have built up a huge amount of experience. Do you know, in in a short amount of time. So, do you feel now that you're just in a really good place at the moment, Con? Yeah, definitely. I think um, last year, I was I was. Do you know what I mean? I was only 17, and I just moved to France. I was I was quite green to it all. To be honest, which yeah. is my race. And I wasn't expecting to go to the Europeans or let alone race the time trial in it, which only two lads get the chance to do that. Um, and then when I came home from France, I got the call to say that I was going. So to be honest with you, it was just all, oh, it was a bit, of, a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest, you to be thrown into it. And I, like I tried to tried to handle it as best as I could, but everything was new to me every single week there last year. But uh, this year, definitely have a lot more experience and I know exactly what the story is with the setup. I know the staff and... I know. I just, I just kind of have a better understanding of what's expected of me too, and and what I need to do to have the best ride on the day. Yeah, no. It's it sounds as though like you know you just kind of have uh, you're in the right headspace as well. Like you know training's going well and and the race in itself is going well. But um, psychologically, do you know you really seem to be in a good space as well? Um, can I can I just ask you a little bit with regard to injury? Then I'd say you have to really look after yourself, Conan. I know you're doing a lot of training, um, but do you have to allow a lot of time for recovery as well? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we had to look at over the leaving cert as well in terms of it was just the mental fatigue too. I was starting to get a little bit run down and I could start to feel a few niggles and stuff on the bike if I was training too hard. But um, I suppose I've had actually, since talking to you, I had kind of one main one where as I was heading off the Belgium after I was talking to you and I had a big crash in that stage race. Um, I got a lot of cuts and road rashes and actually I think I went back training a little bit too soon after that and I developed, developed an infection and stuff like that. So that kind of leveled me for for a while and I was trying to come back from that but um, no I've actually been lucky enough I haven't really picked up any sort of uh, muscular injuries or anything like that this year apart from one small niggle in my hip but uh, a bit of dry needle and stuff with the physio and just kind of regular checkups got rid of that fairly quickly yeah and you're probably lucky actually with your age that you probably bounce back a little bit quicker than than older races so you know you have that kind of in your armour as well your youth do you feel like you've matured a lot just through racing yeah no definitely I think it's I think it's definitely helping as well in the sport itself you know you don't win every day when you go out it's kind of seldom you win to be honest it's mm. just quite a, a lot of ups and downs and you just kind of have to deal with that yourself mentally but no I think over the last kind of two years the bike has definitely given me a lot of good kind of lessons in terms of life experience and stuff like that like living on my own and stuff at such a young age 
it's definitely kind of uh, definitely developed a bit more a bit more kind of mental maturity I think and definitely in a better place this year in terms of my calmness and composure in races that's amazing and um, I want to ask you as well just away from racing then uh, I know you were saying that you've uh, recently um, completed the leave insert and finished all the exams away from racing then kind of professionally I know that your ultimate goal is to become a professional um, racer uh, cyclist but um, is there any like in terms of courses now and further study uh, what are you kind of looking at uh, along those lines Um, so uh, my my plan my plan plan for now is, is uh, I've applied to the CEO and f- for the most part all of my courses would be kind of based around law so um, that was kind of an area that I'd be interested in studying but um, Great. I'll, if, if I whatever, if I get my course if I get the course that I want um, I'm going to defer it for a year and just kind of see where my cycling goes for that year and if it doesn't if, if it doesn't work out then uh, I think then I think kind of legal studies is where I want to go with my further education to be honest yeah brilliant stuff um, uh, Con. Uh, can I just um, ask then as well I know Europeans that's kind of the next thing now for you so how is training kind of going for that at the moment yeah training is going well it came off nationals I think that was that week actually with the hard race was kind of what I needed um, I've had some very good sessions this past week the numbers are kind of where they need to be at and I know myself like how much further ahead I am on last year so I kind of have an idea of of, uh, of, where, of where I want to be this weekend and definitely excited to see what I can do at the championships and just kind of see where I am in comparison to Europeans best so yeah well look Con congratulations again um, on um, being the winner of that race in, in, in Tipperary um, and the first man from your club at junior grade to have to have ever done it it's it's an amazing feat um, and you know you're always welcome back on the show anytime and thanks so much for joining us uh, today on Scoreline yeah thanks very much for having me on We also caught up with former Ireland international Mick Quinn who spoke to us about Ireland's opening test defeat to the All Blacks on Saturday. You're very welcome back to Scoreline now. It was a massive day for sport here on Scoreline, as it is most weekends, but we didn't touch upon Ireland versus New Zealand. Ireland came away with a loss down under. It was 42-19. to 19. Joining me now on the line, former Irish international Mick Quinn. Mick, how are you doing, sir? Really, really enjoying your programme. I was just listening in there, and the lads were describing uh, that, that Galway had scored a goal. I actually saw it on my telly here. An absolute cracker of a goal. <laughs> so they're right back in us, our Galway. They certainly are. Did you, ha- you happen to catch the Kilkenny game yesterday as well, Mick? It was a big day oh, for I sport. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was um, it was a fairly easy run for Kilkenny yesterday, but uh, I think things are starting to hot up a little bit in the GAA and nearer the finish. There's far too many sort of one-sided games until this sort of stage, and then they get they really get interesting around quarterfinal, semi-final stage. You know. Well, speaking of one-sided games, you know the scoreline suggests that Ireland had a tough time against New Zealand. But was there any positives to take from that game yesterday? Yeah, well, I would have taken quite a lot of positives out of it. Um, I thought Ireland were in the hunt. 
other than some really, really bad errors that cost us big time. And every time Ireland made a big mistake, they ended up giving away a score. And from that point of view, I think the only other problem we had was dealing with the power of the All Blacks uh, to break tackles, etc. And I think uh, that Ireland have a, a realistic chance going into the second test. I wouldn't be as down as some people were uh, about it because I, I expected the All Blacks to come out pretty strong having lost to us last uh, November. So from that point of view, I think it's, it was a decent exercise. I thought we were very competitive and uh, I thought a lot of the players played very well. But uh, just we weren't strong enough on the day to, to actually do it. The, the, you know, I think, I think um, to be honest, I, I would say that New Zealand were flattered by the score. Uh, not because they weren't brilliant or whatever. They were very good and they played very well and they were very sharp. But I think that everything went right for them. You know, and uh, I think uh, Ireland's problem was that they weren't getting the calls at the breakdowns where New Zealand were constantly slowing the ball, lying across, and getting away with it. You know, and uh, th this is what these teams are doing now to stop Ireland getting quick ball. You know, they're trying to stop the flow of the ball for Ireland, and, uh, and from that point of view, they're not getting much help from the referees. Yeah, they had a particularly, uh, we'll touch upon the referees, they had a particularly kind of turgid nine minutes, conceding 21 points just before the interval. It kind of decided yeah. the outcome in itself. It did, yes. Uh, I mean, the game was turned totally on its head by by the intercept, really. And, uh, you know, confidence would have dropped for a short while. But uh, the fact is that you cannot give away scores like that if you're playing against a team as classy as the All Blacks. You know, they, they really are a, a, a diamond outfit when it comes to, you know, top-class fair coming forward. You know, every player is a good player. You know, they're all good footballers. And <clears throat> we're a little bit lightweight in the pack in the sense of actual size you know big guys uh, and our line out is not quite right you know we, we we certainly have not been performing Ireland as a proper line out since uh, Devon Toner left the side you know you could be guaranteed a 100% line up ball when I was there and uh, you know people were saying well he isn't as good around the pitch and all the rest of it but he won every line out that he had to win that was that was the quality of the guy so from that point of view uh, I, I think we're struggling a little bit line out wise and a little bit on the power side but from the point of view of general uh, general ability around the field and, and attacking play I think Ireland are, are right up there with the All Blacks there's no doubt about that but I think I think the second test uh, is going to be uh, you know a really close affair I think it's you know I, I think if they can cut out the errors uh, they'll be fine but it's just that you you make an error against the All Blacks they will score and uh, an awful lot of their scores come from breakaways you know things that go wrong you know the, the, the try that came from the chip over the top again another and then Ireland left three or four tries behind them they were three times held up over the line and they you know they also had the chip over the top by Johnny Sexton that worked out well and you know could have scored from that and uh, there were several instances where where Ireland could have had uh, you know tries so I, I, I wasn't 
I wasn't uh, completely sort of bereft after the game. I can tell you, I, I was I was quite lifted by the performance actually. Speaking of lineouts, um, lineouts aside, if you put that away, because as you correctly mentioned, Ireland were coughing up to a bit too much ball there. But Dan Sheen had a good game by all accounts. Uh, Josh Vanderfeer and uh, Peter Romani, they can all come out saying that they, they performed particularly well. I think. Yes, they did. I, I, Dan Sheen had a great game. He actually he actually lives two houses away from me here in Milltown in Dublin, and his family are all mad into the rugby. And he's some he's a big boy. He's a big motor, you know. And but he can put himself about, and he's fast, and he's he's uh, you know he's very brave, and he just goes clocking in there he doesn't give a tosser who they are you know he just wants to get in and get the ball and he's he's a super player but we do need to tighten up on the line out so he has work to do there but uh, so have the jumpers they're just not getting up fast enough and high enough and it's just not sharp enough and it's I, I'm not sure that it's the throwing in I think it's more the ability of the jumpers to get into the air fast and uh, I think if they do that and they play it safer in the line so stop throwing it long all the time just make sure you win the ball because when you lose the ball you're immediately tr- in trouble with these guys because they get breakaways and when they get a breakaway they have the pace to run in a try every single time uh, Andy Farrell kind of came out after the game. He says Ireland players know what they need to fix. Uh, fixing it against a New Zealand side, though, that are... Uh, is it 28 years they're unbeaten at Eden Park now? It's just a, an right. amazing record that they have. But Andy Farrell kind of may have mixed emotions coming out of that game. Yeah, he, he, he will. Yeah, I mean, but what he's going to do is he's going to learn, you know, which lads on the squad are, are you know, good enough and uh, you know they had I mean they had a very chastening exercise against the Maoris on, on the Wednesday you know I mean they just uh, they didn't perform at all as far as I could see I mean they came out looked tired lethargic uh, never got going there was no pace to the game and uh, nobody put up his hand and said I actually want to be on the Irish team uh, of the guys who performed on Wednesday so I mean I was very disappointed in them I was much less disappointed now in the in the A side uh, who were out there doing it on Saturday they they really did perform they tried very hard and they hung in uh, I, I agree uh, Man had a very good game I thought I thought Van der Fleer was outstanding he was one of the uh, if not the best player on the pitch he was certainly one of the two best players on the pitch so uh, I, I think um, there are there are lots of pluses coming out of that game and uh, I don't expect us to win the series but I, I do expect us to perform well you know in this uh, in this test series and, and uh, I don't think we have anything to be too down about I think there's uh, good possibilities and uh, I, I just hope Sexton gets back I'm not sure what's wrong with him uh, I know he got a, a bang on, on the head but I just hope he's alright for the second test yeah, it was a bit of a double whammy there of the intercept before that, and then losing Sexton at the same time. We kind of, kind of a bit Absolutely. of a double whammy with both of those there. Um, in regards yeah. to coming away with mixed emotions, a lot of fans yeah. didn't seem to have mixed emotions in regards to the performance of the referee. Some cards maybe that were handed out earlier for some New Zealand infringements could have changed the course of the game. 
Yeah, yeah. They're, see, they're they're devils. These teams, you know, they they realise the the way to beat Ireland is to stop them winning the ball quickly at the breakdown, and the referees give the guys advantage, and then they say, you know, uh, tackle, and then the guy releases the ball. But you're gone three or four seconds, so your your chance to make a break on it is is virtually gone. You know, they're, they're slowing down the ball, they're negative in in what they're doing, and but Ireland are not getting the the support of the referees and dealing with it you know and they like fast uh, fast ball Ireland and they should be they should be given the uh, the support by the referees in trying to do that so anybody who's in slowing down ball uh, not trying to not trying to win the ball but but doing it illegally should be blown for it and, and yellow carded and I think New Zealand were, were just cute in the way they got away with it and of course decisions generally go to the home team anyway in these matches but I thought the referee on Saturday was poor he just wasn't good enough to be refereeing at that level he just wasn't good enough yeah, a lot of fans are very aggrieved with that performance. Uh, talking about performances of the players, you know, you have mountain injuries in regards to this series as well, but it really kind of helps Andy Farrell assess which players he's going to have that have real kind of World Cup potential. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing, and that's why I was so disappointed when I saw the Mary game, because, you know, if you're a young guy coming through and you want to get on the Irish team, the first thing you're going to do is show him what you can do. And they had a chance against the Maoris, and nobody, nobody showed up. You know, as far as I was concerned, I mean, there was there was some talk of the back row players being, you know, they were good, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, outstanding. And you have to be outstanding if you want to get on the Irish team. If you want trouble, the guys, all the players on the test side would have been saying, well, they're not going to bring any of those guys through. They're not going to trouble me in the next year by the way they played on Wednesday, you know. So that from that point of view, it was an awful pity. But if they have a chance now next week uh, to have another go at the Maoris and see how, how, how they do. But they'd want to do a, a damn sight better than they did last Wednesday, that's for sure. Mick, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you about all things rugby. We love picking your brain in regards to all the games happening at international and provincial level. I won't take up much more of your time, and you can go back and enjoy Limerick and Galway. We're keeping an eye on it here as well. So, thanks very much, Mick. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed, and the best wishes to everybody down Carlicle Kenny. Thank you. That's Mick Quinn, a former Irish international, having a look at the New Zealand versus Ireland game that went ahead yesterday. <laughs> Regular guest to the show, Colin Cronin of the Irish NFL show, spoke to us about a busy off-season in the NFL. There's many sports that people have a huge interest outside the big few. Of course, we talked about rugby. This one isn't too far from rugby. Massive contingent of Irish fans follow the NFL. We certainly do here at Scoreline. We love talking to the Irish NFL show who do tremendous things. We've talked about their show on Virgin Media. We've talked about the draft. Lots of things happening in the NFL world. Joining me now on the line, man who I love to speak to, Colm Cronin. Colm, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, Shane. Always uh, good to, to talk to you. And obviously a big weekend of uh, sport. What a, what a match there uh, between Limerick and Galway. But as you said, the NFL is getting getting ready. We're now just a couple of weeks away from training camp. And fortunately for any, uh, for any fans of the sport, this is the last month without any NFL football until February. 
Some big news coming out of the NFL, at which will have Tom Brady not too happy. Rob Gronkowski, the Gronk, he is stepping away from the game for the second time. Yeah, the, the second time, I mean, uh, Rob Gronkowski has been a, a WWE superstar alongside being an NFL superstar, and he's got a flair for, for the dramatic, Shane. I wouldn't be surprised if um, we might see Gronk back on a field again. Let, let's see. The, the Bucks are in an interesting position because the, the NFC isn't that strong, and I think that's one of the reasons maybe Brady himself decided to, to play for another year. There, there's not a whole lot on, on that side of, um, of of things and I wouldn't be at all surprised if as we approach the, the playoffs and if the, the Bucks are there as thereabouts as they should be we might see Grant come back he's one of the guys who he's never enjoyed training camp and in fairness his body has taken a beating uh, during his NFL career but he's an absolute superstar and he's a, the type of guy who if he pulled on a jersey in December in January when the Bucks needed him in the playoffs he could just you know he he come right in I mean remember we saw Eric Weidel come in last year for the, the Rams he came off the street a guy who'd been sitting on the sidelines retired for a couple of years as well and he was an absolute superstar for the Rams he, he was key to them winning that ball so I I don't know if we've seen the end of Grant just yet uh, looking uh, uh, ahead then to the season that you have uh, uh, coming up in the NFL, is there anybody that's really standing out towards you? Did anyone do particularly well in the draft? Um, I think one of the, obviously, the, the intriguing things I think at the moment is going to, to be what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. The, the 49ers, not in this year's draft, but in last year's draft, gave up a huge amount of draft capital to go and get Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance didn't play a whole lot last year, and in his last year of college, he only played one game because of COVID. So you're talking about a guy in Trey Lance who's played three games in two years. They're going to need Trey Lance to play, but they've got to find a home for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. The Deshaun Watson situation, um, it, it looks like he is very likely to be suspended. The talk, the rumours this week, uh, Shane, are that Jimmy Garoppolo could find his way to uh, the Cleveland Browns for, for a, a season, potentially. So that might be something to, you know, a storyline kind of coming out of left field for people and something to, to definitely keep an eye on. And uh, we've seen Russell Wilson now of the Denver Broncos he's been spending the last week in, in London with his wife I think she has a new album coming out and uh, he's been doing a lot of PR work because the, the Broncos will be London bound in uh, October so the, the on the AFC side it's going to be fascinating right the, the AFC West in particular with Patrick Mahomes with Derek Carr now with Devonta Adams uh, Justin Herbert having a huge amount of uh, weapons around him with the Chargers and Russell Wilson that could be a bloodbath and those teams could end up taking each other out and so that's why when I when I say to the NFC side you know the Rams will be looking to, to, to have another good year and it will be very interesting for, for the Packers who a team who have Aaron Rodgers and are paying him all the money but they didn't give him a whole lot of weapons but Rodgers has the ability to make anyone 
uh, around him look good. So there, uh, this is the time of season where, fortunately for almost everyone, there's a huge amount of hope and optimism. Everyone is, um, you know, hoping that their team can take a step certainly up on on last year. Uh, you'll hear all the talk that everybody's in the best shape of their life as we move into to training camp. But what we're seeing now, most teams will have uh, rosters of 90 guys. That's going to have to be cut down. So by the end of August, that will be trimmed down to, to 53. So there'll be some really intriguing camp battles to, to see what happens. And uh, that will be something for fans to, to keep an eye on over the next kind of seven or eight weeks. Uh, Colm, with the NFL, you know, a fantastic sport, but controversy seems to surround it. You mentioned Deshaun just there a second ago, but uh, former All-Pro punter Kek King, he has recently kind of issued a series of uh, tweets in regards to um, not being able to play since he was with the Broncos back in, I think, 2018. But he kind of mentioned a bit of racial tension, saying that black punters and kickers still do not receive equal opportunities in the NFL. How has that been received within the community? Um, I think there. I think that there, undoubtedly the league has has huge racial issues. Um, I mean, you you, you have Marquette King, you've Colin Kaepernick, um, you you have the the stuff going on um, with the the Commanders. You have the the John Gruden emails. It's a, it's a huge issue in in the league, and um, you know we it, it's a an issue I think that for a long time it was ignored. I mean, I, I think back to. Dick Fangio saying he didn't see any racism in the league just a couple of years ago um, and uh, a lot of players understandably very unhappy with that it, 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 it's something that um, you know the league has looked to to address in, in areas and, and I think um, people like Goodell um, have tried to, to do some, some work in that area but the reality is um, Shane, until we see minority owners um, things, you know, it'll be very difficult to make real changes. Some teams, like the Steelers, have made real commitments and, and ensured that, you know, there is diversity in the coaching staff. And obviously down in Tampa Bay, um, Bruce Arians showed, you know, the the benefits of diversity. He, he, he was really committed to that. But, um, you know, there's still um, a paltry number of, um, black head coaches in the league for a league where the, the it's 70% um, black in terms of the players, it, they, it doesn't make that transition and also in terms of I suppose at certain positions so yeah I, I mean I, 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 don't, I didn't see uh, a huge amount certainly amongst the, the players of, um, of people disagreeing with King I think there's a recognition that there is an awful lot of work uh, still to, to be done and the fact that you know you had the the commanders uh, in front of Congress, uh, albeit Dan Snyder, um, you know didn't didn't appear, but Roger Goodell had to appear. I think there's a recognition, maybe at all levels of society, that that there is still work to to be done uh, in the NFL. And just before we let you go, Colm. Uh we know the NFL is coming back, but apparently eight coaches have been assigned to XFL teams. Uh, would you kind of keep up to date with the XFL? They had a stop-start nature in their 20 years, only completing two seasons, but apparently they're going to go ahead with a 2023 season. Yeah, so the, the, the way the Rock Johnson is involved, and there are some coaches, Shane, who've been involved and have been very successful. Uh, so Wade Phillips, a legendary figure, one of the greatest defensive minds that the NFL has ever seen, and the architect 
of the Broncos' vaunted no-fly zone, which won Super Bowl 50, is going to be one of the head coaches in the XFL. A lot is going to c- come down to, you know, if, if the XFL can work, I suppose, as a development league, that is going to, to be what will ultimately, you know, be where there, there is success. But the NFL itself is committed massively to the globalization of the game and growing it. Um, so they've made really a lot of moves over the course of the, the last offseason. You've seen new people appointed in the UK, in Australia, um, and Brett Gosper. It's funny you mentioned rugby um, at, the, at the beginning. Brett Gosper, former head of world rugby, NFL appointed him two years ago. You're really beginning to see the fruits of some of Brett Gosper's labor. And I, I think for the XFL, if the NFL, unless the players are finding a way to go into the NFL afterwards, it's going to be very difficult for, for it to survive. They're just, you know, there's so many other sports competing against it at that time of year. The NFL is such a behemoth. I think I I keep an eye on maybe the the internationalization of the NFL would be where I'd put my money right now rather than the XFL. Colm, it's always a pleasure getting to talk to you about all the things NFL. If people want to go and check out a bit more of the Irish perspective, where can they check you out? Yeah, de- definitely. It's been interesting, Shane. So tonight on the Irish NFL show, we actually have a Kerry man. Uh, David Shanahan who is over with Georgia Tech and is looking to make his uh, name and, and make a name for himself in the NFL in a few years time he's our guest on the Irish NFL show last week we had James McCourt who is looking to become the first Irishman in the league in 37 years he's kicking with the Chargers um, and we also have Dan Whelan joining us in a couple of weeks who is looking to make it with the Saints so it's a very exciting time for Irish guys looking to make their way into the NFL. The Irish NFL show, we're across every social media platform from TikTok to Twitter to Instagram. You can find us on our YouTube channel. Reach out. We love talking uh, American football. Whether you're new to the sport or whether you're somebody who's been watching it uh, since the, the mid-80s when it first appeared with Miles Dungan on, on RTE, we love chatting ball. So definitely get in touch. Colm, always a pleasure, sir. We will certainly be keeping an eye out there. No doubt we'll be talking to each other very, very soon. Colm, until then, best of luck. Thanks very much, Shane. That was Colm Cronin there from the Irish NFL show. Stephen Bambrick of Nave Breed had a look back on the weekend's games in the Carlos Senior Hurling Championship. You're very welcome back to Scoreline and we're going to welcome Stephen Bambrick on the line. The Carlos Senior Hurling Championships Round 3 have been going ahead but we do have one more game coming your way on KCLR at half past six. It's Mount Leinster Rangers going up against Nave Owen. Big result earlier on for Ballon Killen and Bagelstown Gales did put it up to St Mullins yesterday. Here to talk about it all, Stephen Bambrick. Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, Robbie. All right. I'm very good. I'm very good, Stephen. Stephen, uh, yesterday, Bagelstown Gales started off pretty well, but St Mullins ultimately got the better of them in the end. Yeah, just about. Um, Paddy Boland uh, was was nearly a one-man band at one stage for St Mullins, and ultimately he was the, the man came up with the goods in the last in injury time with his seven points from play to give St Mullins a one-point victory. Um, like Bagelstown Gales gave him enough of it, and they went four points ahead at one stage during the second half. A great goal. Craig Doyle flicked on a ball to Mark McDonald and he, he found an effort and they, they pushed on a bit then. The, 
they could have had another goal a great save from Kevin Keogh and probably it was there was six or seven balls over the hour that, that dropped into Kevin Keogh's hands that they didn't go dead or over the bar uh, you know they were, they were probably the difference in the wind up now Samuels did hit 12 wides over the hour as well Conor Keogh got a vital goal in the second half and he's probably been one of the players of the, the championship so far but uh, Sun Gales were so close to it to getting the victory and that would have um, you know would have upset the the the, the placings I suppose for the, the top four to get through to the semi-finals we're probably looking at Sam Holmes going against Rangers now they're, you know, they're, the, they're probably the, the standouts at the moment but the other teams um, are fighting for the other two positions and uh, your team today Nave Breed uh, got I suppose Owen Larkin will be happy coming out with that Ballon Killen uh, coming away with the victory that one yeah and like they were fully deserving for it and like we, we just you know we, we uh, Sean Murphy was back for Alan Killen show like and he hit I think he might hit four points over the hour. Kieran Whelan, um this is second or third game back after the, the injury horrible injury he got uh before the Wicklow game a couple of years ago and he hit I think I think he could have hit one twelve, one thirteen. Uh we give away too many frees, you know, over the hour and we're learning we have to learn a bit quicker though. We, you know, we we give a lot of frees over the over the game. They had a man sent off now it's always harsh enough maybe. But, Quarter nowhere to go, and it didn't make any difference really. They they pushed on, and um, you know they've they've four points now over six, so they're they're looking good for semi final spot even on a head to head basis. But at, at the moment, so and they still have a couple of rounds left to go. Thank you, Stephen Bambrick There talking about the JJ Cavanaugh Sons Carlos Senior Hurling Championship round three. Joe Sheehan was back to tell us all about what's happening in the world of greyhound racing. Well, these are very exciting times indeed for locally connected greyhounds. Of course, last weekend we had the English Greyhound Derby final and no less than three locally connected greyhounds in the final. Phenomenal achievement by the Cronin family and of course the Hennessy family. Kildare was the greyhound running for Peter and Mikey Cronin he finished in second place in the English Greyhound Derby final a remarkable achievement and so well done to all of them and of course the Hennessy family who had Hello Hammond and Priceless Jet they finished fourth and fifth but to even get to an English Greyhound Derby final is a phenomenal really really impressive achievement so well done to all involved there and I'm sure continued success will come the way of the Cronin and Hennessy family with their fantastic team behind them and a wonderful kennel of greyhounds that both trainers have so well done to them and looking forward to continued success for Kilkenny Carlo Greyhounds not only in Ireland but of course across the water in England where they continue to do and perform ever so well last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium we had the fundraiser for Liz Downey GA Club a very very well supported fundraiser indeed wonderful to see so many fundraisers happening in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium these days and it's a wonderful way of making money for your club your charity or your organisation so well done to all involved in last night's fundraiser for Liz Downey GA Club of course we had a cracking card for the Liz Downey GAA Club 11 races of top class quality and it was wonderful to see so many competitions take place of course we are in the build up for the big day take out your jotter take out your pen and paper and write it in the diary folks Sunday July 10th we have the Festival of Racing 20,000 euro prize money involved on the day folks massive massive event in Kenny Greyhound Stadium Sunday July 10th so make sure you put that date in the diary and get on out to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. It's wonderful to see massive crowds the last couple of weeks and that day is going to be a massive event with a huge crowd. So well done to all involved to track management 
and to all sponsors of course wonderful to see fantastic sponsors in our local Greyhound Stadium and of course we had the sales on this morning so much happening at our local track wonderful to see we had the sales on this morning in Kilkenny so hopefully some nice prospects were picked up there by new owners we also have the Boyle Sports A3 A4 Bitch Sweeps starting on Friday July 22nd so not long to go to that one 5,000 euro to the winner of this one for 48 bitches wonderful prize money and great to see it so last night to take you through the competitions that we had we had the split the pot at Kilkenny track novice semi-finals a wonderful performance here in the first race in this one the hub winning in 29-11 at a price of 6-4 in the second semi-final of the split the pot at Kilkenny track novice competition we had Grangeview Blade winning in a time of 29-07 at a price of 4-1 to 4-5 to favourite Ballymull Bucco was back in second but emerges through to the final of that one we also had John Mitchell bookmaker Uncle Kenny Goba Navas 2 semi-finals on last night as well where Footfield Siren took the first semi-final in an impressive performance here 28.82 the clock even money plenty of support for this one in the betting ring the second semi-final was won by Bull Run Bibson a very nice performance 28.94 staying on stoutly to take that one the A3 competition the first semi-final was won by the other Ollie. 28.86 o'clock here. Starting and staying well. Trap to line victory for the other Ollie. And of course, the second semi-final was won by Nomadic Bolt in a time of 28.91. Very impressive performance indeed. Staying on to the task gamely. And taking a victory at a price of 5-1. to one. Well done to those of you who were on that one at a price of 5-1. to one. Boo the Best took the first semi-final of the A2 competition. In a time of 28.85, price of 5-4, to four, winning by 2.5 lengths. And he merges through to the final of that one. The second semi-final was won by Abbar and Bonnie in a time of 29.06, staying on very, very gamely to take victory in that one. And will be probably short price for the final of that race next Sunday. As we said, Sunday, July 10th, put the date in the diary. The John Mitchell Bookmaker and Kilkenny go by A1 competition. The first semi final was won by Giddy Up Gonzo in a time of 28.70. Very slick performance here in this one at a price of 3 to 1. And last but not least, certainly not least, because we had a very slick performance here. Time 28.54, one of the most impressive performances on the night. And the winner here was Hare Leary. Of course, he has been a very, very consistent performer around Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium in recent times. So well done to him, showing great back straight pace last night. Drawing clear to take victory. Five and a half lengths here. And a very, very impressive performance by Hare Leary. So well done to all of them. And of course, these are all the semi-finals in the build-up to the Festival of Racing. Next Sunday, July 10th, we will have lots of finals, lots of open class racing, lots of sponsored races. Wonderful to see such magnificent action at our local track in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium as we said put the date in the diary Sunday July 10th and of course well done to all involved in the fundraisers over the last couple of weeks and plenty of fundraisers to look forward to in the coming weeks and months ahead in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium and elsewhere up in Dublin HQ Shelburne Park we have strong local runners here tonight in the big competitions in this one the Corn Coo Cullen takes place tonight and some very very nice performances indeed in the first round of this one of course this competition is over 750 distance the stairs will be going well here with the likes of Bally Bok Champ for Mert Lahey in round two heat one of course Mert Lahey and his team are on fire at the moment having won the Oaks with Rahamofo a number of weeks ago Bally Bok Champ did well to qualify last week 
finishing in second place. So best of luck to them tonight. Elsewhere, we also have the Ch Shelburne champion 550 semi-finals on tonight as well. Where Mark Lahey is in contention with Droopy's Nice One, having won in 29.50 here last week. A phenomenal run from Droopy's Nice One. Such a consistent performer and wonderful to see Droopy's Nice One put in a magnificent run last week. 29.50 and she has a massive chance in tonight's Shelburne champion 550 semi-finals. As we said, best of luck to all local runners in Shelburne Park. And well done to all connected to the fundraisers. Last night, of course, Liz Downey GA Club. And well done to all our winners last night. As we look ahead to Sunday, July 10th, the Festival of Racing. Put the date in the diary. €20,000 prize money on offer. And it's going to be a packed event at Kilkenny Gray on Stadium. We cannot wait. And well done to all involved. <laughs> And we had a rundown of all the action from round three of the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship. Robbie, you're obviously a little bit disappointed, but um, round four has to come. There's two more rounds to go, but uh, you were competitive in the second half. I think the sending off put you on the back foot a little bit. Yeah, as soon as Declan got sent off, Brendan, we were on the back foot all the time. I thought we were hurling well up till then, but we had a good second half when we were with 14 men, you know. So I'm happy enough with the lads. We asked them to give full commitment, give their best shot, and I think they've done that. Yeah, John, you moved John Michael to the middle in the second half, and it paid dividends for a long time in the second half. Yeah, he was carrying an ankle injury there for a long time, and we wanted to put him in full forward, but he wouldn't go full forward he just felt he, so we let him do what he wanted to do so it worked out well for himself yeah, you had a few good individual performances collectively I suppose if you look back at matches of history in the last few years it always has been 8-9 points with Rangers and kind of more or less the same tonight that's what probably disappoints uh, Navo and people but at the same time Robbie you were competitive and the proof was in the pudding tonight you missed a lot of chances as well so you could have been much much closer uh, yeah we're trying to rebuild there like a lot of the under 20s coming in there now with Colin Beck and Ger and, and a few more lads there we're trying to rebuild and trying to hold on to the old lads there to keep them fresh and keep them going you know Kevin was there playing and Kevin is in his mid-30s to try and keep him fresh and still a lot to give and and Ger cabinet there he's you know under 20s as well we're just trying to balance it out and try to get them blend in together to hurl together you know some of them lads didn't even know their names at the start of the year so they're hurling together so it'll take a few years OK well you have a few lads down there to do it and uh, well on that we'll see you in the furnace time but before I do let you go you're a true and true hurling man Michael has a stronghold of hurling in this country two All-Ireland finals this weekend and yeah. now we have a final Kilkenny of there I know you yeah. had a sharp eye in that yesterday Galway and lucky today but Limerick are back in the final what do you make of it all? I thought it was brilliant I thought Kilkenny's work rate was savage and that's why I asked the boys today like uh, to track back work Kilkenny what they've done off the ball was unbelievable yeah. you know the hook and the block and everything like that and I just asked the boys to hurl like Kilkenny today if possible and, and like we're playing Rangers there they're as good as you're going to get in the country there for the last couple of years and, and um, I, I, thought, I personally thought myself that Clare would it'd be a month the final All-Ireland final the way, the, the way it worked out but I'm delighted for Kenny back in the All-Ireland final and delighted that Galway done well today I thought it could have been um, a Brian Cody Henry Shefflin All-Ireland <laughs> could have nearly won it yeah exactly could have nearly won a fair play to him but there's nothing in it and come to a big game there's nothing in it on the day and I, and I wish Kenny the best and I hope to do go ahead and win the All-Ireland have you a ticket? not yet <laughs> <laughs> Robbie thanks a million right, thanks Brendan good man
Gavin, a win is a win, um, so it makes up for last week, I suppose. And you know, a defeat tonight could put you on the back foot, but you won it, and you've uh, St Mullins, I think, next week. Yeah, St Mullins next sun- Saturday. Yeah, but look, uh, tonight was all about trying to get the win. We had a setback last week, and you know, it, it was a very hard fought match there tonight. And in fairness, Nave Breed, they, they went hard at it throughout the game, and I suppose our lads just stayed digging in. We got the win, but look, it's it's a round robin thing. It's match by match. You know, the last two matches are done, and we're looking forward out to Saturday already. Yeah, the well, positive tonight is you have a few players back that were injured and a few players that you hadn't got last week. I think it was short six last week. I know when you look at panels, people say everyone is training to be on the team, but as regards players in the past with Bagnason and players, top players, you were short a few last week. You got a few of them back tonight, which is a big help also. Yeah, we got a bit of game time into Alfie there. Um, he was missing last week. He got half, Jake Dial. Ah, look, it's the way it's going. You know, you're playing week in, week out, you're going to pick up injuries, but we're trying to build a panel that when lads are out or lads are missing, that we have players to come in and step into the fold. But it's good to see a couple of them back tonight, all right, yeah, going forward. Uh, you were in control for much of the game. Half time, you led one eight to nine points, but you let them back into it and you got a goal in the end, which kind of won it for you because on 70 minutes, on 60 minutes rather, it was level, nearly level, one in it. Yeah, there was one in it and we kind of had our backs to the wall. Um, look, there's chances coming games and we're lucky enough we got the goal there when we needed it. But I suppose, look, it's about uh, building, it's a work in progress and it's about gearing up now and getting the boys back uh, mentally and physically for Saturday. Yeah, because it comes around quickly, it's week after week. Yeah, week after week. Look, it's it's brilliant in one way and it's hard in another way when you have lads picking up injuries. But look, it's a it's a massive five or six weeks and we're just uh, about getting refocused now and looking forward to Saturday. Is that a massive two points for you tonight? Yeah, it's a massive two points and it's good to get a win, which is big, you know. Suffering a defeat like we did last week, you can knock the confidence out of lads. But it was all tonight was all about getting the win and focusing on Nave Breed and now it's just moving on and getting ready for the next match. OK, and I just asked the manager of... Uh Nave Breed earlier on just in relation to the two All-Ireland semi-finals you as well hurling Manky, Kenny and Clare next week uh, you have Galway and Limerick in the other semi-final and we're just looking for the views of the different club managers around the country how do you see the games going? Um, sure look you have to you have to fancy your own cl- your own county obviously look Kilkenny have Kilkenny or Kilkenny they'll, they'll love relishing playing Clare and they love Croke Park yeah, too don't they? They love Croke Park it'll be a massive match and it'll be um, it'll come I'd say down to a point or two either way there won't be anything in it but Kilkenny or Kilkenny and there'll be hard bet up there in Croke Park in the All-Ireland semi can Galway cause can Henry cause Limerick problems uh, I think I think Galway could turn them over it's, they've been gearing up all year they're, you know they had to sit back in the Leinster final they came back well the last day and you know they're coming on under the radar a little bit and I'm sure Henry and the lads down there will have them boys geared up they're 60 minutes away from an All-Ireland so it'll be a massive massive opportunity for them to get there I don't want to travel Kenny Galway and Bagnestown to beat that Mullins next week Gavin thanks a million <laughs> thank you now <laughs> cheers <laughs> That's all for another edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't forget you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 2pm. We'll chat to you again soon.